Greetings, folks. Welcome to episode 11 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and spirit guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Dan of Ne Viscaris discusses his first band, and I recommend an album of the year contender from Astronoid. First off, I had the honor of chatting with the mastermind of the band, once known as the Ocean Collective, now known as simply The Ocean, Robin Stapp. We discussed the band's difficulty playing in the U.S., the direction and expectations of the next record from The Ocean, Chipotle burritos, and more. Before our chat, here's the latest from The Ocean. This is The Quiet Observer from their split EP with Mono from earlier this year. Before I officially start recording, how was laundry? <laughs> to good, kind of play with good. levels a little bit? It's, yeah, well, you know, it's actually dry, which Fantastic. exceeds my expectations, so that's I'm, good. That's I'm assuming good. you went down that way until you just found anything? Oh, we, actually that way. Oh, okay. No, Paul looked it up before and it said it's 500 meters away, so we thought that this was a good chance to do this. Considering the fact that we are uh, all three of us, Matthias, Paul and me, were actually running like lower than low on supplies so it's very necessary to do this and we have long drives coming up so you just had a fucking long long drive from vegas right yeah we had a fucking horrible night drive yeah and another one well tonight we're not driving but we have to leave like at six or seven tomorrow so yeah we'll get there late again probably won't be able to do it there so we figured this is the right chance to do this and I should say off the bat, I brought Jack and Coke, which is somewhere. I Very intended good. to bring fruit, but sadly around here, there's just like no places to get fruit. Uh, if we can choose between Jack and fruits, then we will probably pick the Jack. So I, I remember a couple you, years you ago, like made the right choice. The there. summer slaughter tour, yeah. I referenced an email that I brought some then. Yeah. And then like a week later, you guys were on Facebook asking for fruit and the stuff because yeah, you had yeah. enough alcohol. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, do you guys want like <laughs> health foods, sustenance? Or you- one alcohol. I can supply either. So. Yeah, it was getting out of control. We were actually getting more booze than we could physically drink between the, I think we were eight people on that tour in the band. So we started giving stuff away to the other bands. But then, um, yeah, we decided that it might be smarter to ask for something that we actually really need. So we started asking for fruits and healthy healthy foods as well. That, that worked out pretty well. <laughs> Anyone but, bring you anything kind of crazy? Um, oh, we had a lot of cool, cool stuff. Like this guy in LA brought us sushi, but like am- amazing sushi, like really, you know, like big fucking platters of sushi for 15 people or something. It was awesome. 
then this guy in Houston, I think it was, he brought homemade Venezuelan food that he cooked with his wife and um, and these shots of uh, this Venezuelan liquor, I don't remember, I don't think it was rum, it was something else, um, with basically uh, coffee powder and like a, a fresh lime. So you would like uh, drink the alcohol and then like suck out the lime with the coffee powder on it and mm. that was awesome. I'd never... I've never really, heard of that. Yeah, I've never really done that before. They, that's something they do in Venezuela, I guess. So that was very cool. And then this other guy had some kind of like grocery coupons from Walmart. So we sent him a massive shopping list and he just bought all kinds of groceries. It was, it was <laughs> just a really cool way to, to interact with people and at the same time to deal with this situation here in the U.S., which is not really um, common in Europe where you don't really get much food provided by the venues or the promoters you know you usually just get a buyout and then uh um yeah it's difficult to to live well and healthy on a on a long tour and then um we came up with this idea and asked our fans or friends to bring groceries and food and alcohol of course and trade for merch and and guest list tickets and that had some very positive feedback and results that's cool <laughs> you're a very trusting lot by the way what's that you're a very trusting group by the way because <laughs> i mean i don't i don't i can't imagine you have nefarious fans but still like homemade foods oh it was a little sketchy no but, no it was i mean it, these are all sealed that i brought i didn't do anything for I had the most part it was very good also those kids in i think it was in uh in baltimore they also cooked really nice homemade food and homemade food's always better than the fucking Absolutely. shit food you get in these chain restaurants you know so yeah no that that was a very good experience yeah backstage was full of fruits all the other bands were like what the fuck how do you guys do this and then they started like then Norma Jean started doing the same thing yeah, I've seen <laughs> other bands do it since but I think you guys were like kind of innovators of that yeah yeah definitely <laughs> so I, I alluded to a long drive you just had how is Halloween in Vegas that seems like it would be a interesting evening if you were able to in, engage in anything but the show um yes unfortunately we were not really because we had to drive the night through so we pretty much left right after the gig and it was a late show so we just went out right before the gig to suck in a little bit of the madness in in town like on the strip mm-hmm. and uh had a couple beers but um we didn't really have a chance to go out after the gig because we had this long ass drive through the night so it was a weird evening i guess if you ask everyone in the band everyone will give you give you very different answers uh, Damien and Luik, they had a blast. They they went out to gamble just very briefly and won actually quite a bit of money. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they had a good time. Then they got really drunk and uh, and uh, basically slept the whole night through. Me and Paul were sober and driving, so it was a bit of a rough night for us. <laughs> and uh, I I didn't enjoy that show so much. It was really, yeah, it was it was weird. It was like even for Napalm Death almost no people that really cared about them I had the impression it was just like a random party crowd that had kind of like stumbled by accident to that venue that's that's how it felt to me were people so in costume or was it just it, like it, it, partially some of them okay. some of them not all of them that seems but, like uh, it could be distracting I was expecting like a crazy fucking show with like a really like you know like good energy and good vibes and and, and a full room and it was not that not like that I mean the room was was very big as well but there were only like some, maybe 200 people, maybe even less, maybe more like 100, 150 people, and just no, no vibes. It, it was it was boring. <laughs> How's the crowd inside? I have yet to go inside because yeah. I think if I go in, they won't let me back 
and if I go out again, so I've been just hanging out back here. Yeah. I knew you guys are up against the World Series, to be honest, so it kind of seems like it'd be a an iffy couple nights tonight and tomorrow. So. Yeah, yeah. I I really had no expectations uh, with this tour. Um, it's okay. mainly small towns and places we've never played before. We've never played Sacramento before. Uh, we were supposed to play here with Between the Bird and Me in 2011. I was at that show, actually. Yeah, but that night before our bus broke down. We may have had an interview slated for that day, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that may have fallen through. Oh, really? But, I mean, yeah. like, I'm not, like, bitter about it. I think but that was the case. Cause yeah, if, yeah. Because as I was setting this up, I'm like, I feel like I've done this before. We had this sketchy bus from this shitty bus company that... Uh, stopped communicating with us <laughs> a couple of days into the tour and then the bus kept like started falling apart and finally on the drive down from Portland to Sacramento it, it died on a hilltop in southern Oregon and it was an actual bus like a like a like a sleeper bus with 12 bunks in it mm -hmm. so we were stranded there with 11 people and um, left the bus on the roadside got three rental cars to to drive down from wherever that bus broke down to uh, San Francisco, which was the date after Sacramento, which we unfortunately had to skip then. And then we bought our van here um, the next day, bought a used van and continued the tour in that van with 11 people. In that I, I still don't remember how we even did that, plus gear. Was it, was, it a van it like mad. this? We're in it, was that, it was that van, which they call a 15-passenger van, but you... You can't, really fit, you can't really fit 15 passengers I see into 11, a van like this. 11 seems like a strong number. It was <laughs> a lot of fucking people in a tiny van, and it was like halfway through the tour, so we still had a long way to go all the way back to the East Coast. So yeah, that's why we didn't play Sacramento before. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect from, from these shows. It kind of seemed like a, not really like a spur-of-the-moment tour, but initially you guys were playing... South America, Mexico City, and then there was a Facebook post that said if we played one city, yeah. and then suddenly there was like a dozen dates. Yeah, yeah. Which It's, I mean, as a fan yeah. who's here, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it 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 was not really planned. I mean, we we were supposed to do the tour with North and Intronaut in um, March. I do remember that. And uh, yeah, we had to cancel that because we didn't get our working visas processed in time. So then we got them, like, about a week and a half into the tour, we finally got the visas, so now we have them, you know, and then we had this South American tour scheduled, and and I was just looking at flights, and I was like, oh, it costs the same to fly back from L.A. that it costs to fly back from Mexico City, so why not do an L.A. show? Nice. And then we were like, let's just do, like, a West Coast run. And awesome. Add a couple of dates. We didn't want to make it a full U.S. tour, because um, also because of flight tickets, we... The return flight had to be within a month or something of, of the flight into Brazil. So, yeah, just a short run. That was the plan. And I've, you know, I'm from here and I've heard that American visa, work visas are, can be difficult to get. I've seen you three times in California. Is there not like a record that you guys are legit or something? How, how does no. the whole visa thing work where you just like have to battle it every time? Uh, it's horrible. You, you would imagine that, I mean, the process goes, uh, the way it goes is that you fill out a, 60 pages online application form which takes half a day to fill out Fuck. where they ask you questions like have you ever been involved in a coerced blood transfusion have you ever recruited child soldiers um, have you ever committed war crimes and all this kind of stuff so you have to and answer all these questions and, and when you answer yes there's yeah. like red flags on it right because yeah. all the war crimes you guys have done yeah yeah you know so we have to lie con uh, constantly course. but Off but the yeah, we, we, we keep doing it. <laughs> It's so fun. So yeah, then then you have this application, then you have to schedule an appointment, and um, 
like an interview basically and then they ask you what do you want to do in the US and you tell them you're going on tour and you get the visa approved so that's very easy but the visa is only good for one year it costs about $3,000 for the whole band in disregard of how many members are going and once it runs out you have to redo the whole process again it's not you would imagine like we've had six work visas now you would imagine that they store some of the data you know yeah, at, at least seemed... like the answers to those questions it's probably you know, like, on hand somewhere or but... they could at least ask like so have you committed any war crimes in the last two years since you filled out the last applications because you know we know that you haven't before so mm -hmm. no they don't do that you have to go through the process from scratch every time and it, it costs a shit ton of money as well so it's very it's very difficult for European bands to tour over here and it's becoming increasingly difficult because now it's also all those tax issues coming in you know so, I just saw something about it I've not read about yeah but I was going to because they basically want 30% of our money from fees which makes uh, playing here really unrealistic <laughs> because fees are much lower than what we get in South America or in Europe anyways and then um 30% subtracted, then $3,000 per year going into the work visas, then the transatlantic flights. It's just a lot of costs that we have, so that it's uh, becoming increasingly difficult, unfortunately, um, for European bands to tour the US. And this is not just an issue that we have. Like a lot of bands, uh, friends of ours from, from Europe and Germany, they're facing the same issues. And a lot of them are at the point now where they say, it's, it's we, we love touring the US, but we just can't do it anymore, you know, mm -hmm. because it becomes uh, so so hard financially and then it's also the situation that um it's just not common here to get accommodation provided by promoters for example i saw in, you guys were asking for basically couches and beds yeah, for yeah. This i mean we, we like doing that you know we love to crash out at, at people's houses and it's it's a great way to meet people and to interact again so we, we don't really mind but um when you have these long drives and sometimes you play in cities that you've never played before then it's not so easy so mm -hmm. then you know then you have to buy your own hotel as well whereas everywhere in Europe or in South America or in Australia or in Asia that's the promoters taking care of all that they arrange accommodation they arrange the visas they arrange all the all the costs related to immigration you know or this kind of stuff and here you're basically on your own and um we have been doing the U.S. six times now, so we know how it is and we know how to do it. And we have friends in a lot of places so that we can at least like uh, crash out at, at people's places. And that's totally cool. But overall, it's 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 tough and <laughs> it's not getting easier, you know. So even when the band uh, band's profile grows, it's uh, it's not becoming any easier because then the IRS becomes aware of the band and then they want their share you know <laughs> so i know like 30 percent is going to be 30 percent of any amount but i figure yeah. at, at some point you're going to want it being at like a muse level in order to play here yeah that's going to be sad i'm going to miss you guys <laughs> yeah well we'll see we're going to try we're going to try to keep doing this as long as we can because we actually really enjoy touring here but uh yeah we'll see how it goes in the future should you no longer be able to come to the states i feel like you guys are going to miss out of the the best tacos because frequently on your facebook page there are mentions of tacos very true so where's your favorite taco <laughs> where have you had your some of your favorite tacos i guess um well or burritos we just, or anything. we actually just came from mexico so we, we've had the most fucking amazing street taqueria in mexico ciudad at two in the morning uh, with pumpkin tacos we're all vegetarians all except Luis actually I'm so i'm a vegetarian myself i didn't know oh, yeah. about you guys yeah well, then. <laughs> we are yeah so uh we have to be a bit a bit more picky but um 
yes, the, the best tacos were definitely on this tour. The best tacos were in Mexico. And also this place in Santiago de Chile was quite amazing. But yes, there's very good Mexican food here. We love Chipotle. So Fritos? They don't... Uh, yes. Or you, so you so Fritos? Yeah. I had some earlier totally. today, actually. Fuck, I love it. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, that was the first thing we did when we arrived here. Like, actually, like, right on the way from the airport, I downloaded the Chipotle app that they have now <laughs> with a fucking epic map of chili you know the logo the chili <laughs> and uh, yeah we went to the first chipotle and had a massive feast there you can order online just walk up pick it up and yeah. you fucking be on your way it's yeah, i love that it's kind of great yeah it is the mexican food here is, is great and we all love mexican food so basically we don't eat anything else here i wouldn't blame <laughs> you as you get further north i've heard it gets less and less in quality like i have a friend that lives in oregon that hasn't yet to find the ch- uh there's she loves. actually a very good taco place in seattle very tiny place where they just you know sell like two or three tacos for on a small plate but they're all they're, they're very very good i have to uh can't remember the name no but i i remember more or less where it's at so i think we're gonna stop over there as well post a picture i I, have, I like seattle a lot i'll go over again all right I will, i'll stop by there i'll tag you <laughs> please uh how's your bar doing do you still have, um, do you still have a bar yes cool. i i uh opened up a bar this year with a friend of mine that we've been going through a bit of a rough time lately so sorry right now the, uh, <laughs> the future of the bar is kind of like uh, not clear where we're going i mean we are going to continue in one way or another but whether with this team or not is is uh not really sure but it's it's been a very interesting year we've all learned a lot um put a lot of time and energy into building the place and um it's a very cool location so uh the, yeah the future will tell which direction we're we're gonna go with it as a current bar owner does that require you to be able to make drinks like are you are you good uh Mixing mixologist, I think is the word. I'm not a mixologist. I wouldn't say that, but I have been learning a lot this year, and um, we've had a very good mixologist uh, train our staff actually, and I, I was attending those training sessions as well, and um, that was very very interesting. And I love to mix drinks, and I would say I can do a couple of uh, very nice drinks. What's like your your go to? Someone's like Rob, make me a drink. Uh, basil smash, for example. By name, I want it. I don't know what's in it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's uh, basically a whole plant of basilicum, uh, basilico, um, mixed with uh, gin. We use uh, a very nice gin from Minorca for that. That's very mild and really good in taste. And the, yeah, the, the color of it is like a light, a light greenish kind of uh, color. And then towards the end of it, you uh, basically just put in more basil leaves and, and just smash them with the ice. And then what comes out is this thick green liquid, which forms like this layer of dark green on top of the light green layer on, on top. It looks very cool. And it's very fresh and uh, very tasty. If we sneak drink. in behind the bar, do you think they have stuff where you can make you one of those? I think they will have fresh uh, basil here. That'll, that'll probably be difficult, yeah. I've had a difficulty <laughs> with this place in drinks. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a bit of a beer snob, and I always look at their taps and get yeah. a little sad. So, <laughs> um, I, I've seen some set lists from the at least the South American Mexican tour with you guys branching out from uh, the most recent album a bit. How's that felt? Because you guys have been playing the f- most recent album in full, pretty consistently. Are you doing? I mean, spoiler for tonight. Are you doing that tonight? Um, I would no, not be. We're upset, not playing. <laughs> we're we're so. not playing uh, Pelagial entirely anymore unless it's a city that we haven't really played before so in south america there was our first south american tour ever so we have done it in in brazil in chile in argentina and in ecuador um not in mexico where we had already done it in Mm -hmm. 2013 
So I think those were the last full Pelagial shows maybe ever or at least for a feel? long time. Um, it, mean, feels, it feels good. You've we're been doing all, it for three years. Yeah, so. we're, 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 we're tired of it. Okay. It's, no, it's, no, uh, it's no secret. We've played so <laughs> many shows on this record and it still works and I still love it, especially when we have the whole production. Um, that's another reason why we don't do it here now because we couldn't bring our lighting guy over. We couldn't bring uh, like the video set up basically and Pelagial, if we perform it in its entirety, is, a, is more or less a big production. So in South America, it was awesome because it was big venues with massive screens and really good lighting. And then it's a, it's a cool setup, you know, to, to do that. Um, these are more like punk rock small bar shows. So I, that's another reason why I don't want to do it anymore. But the main reason is that we've just done it so many times. And, and uh, no matter how much... Uh, you feel attached to the songs you wrote, you get to the point where you've just played them in the same order too many times where mm -hmm. it's just not really exciting for yourself anymore. Um, and so that's why we decided to do a bit of a different set list now on this tour and also on this uh, Australian tour that we're doing in December with uh, this band Neoblivious Cars. We're also going to play By the a, way, a similar set list here. I'm so jealous of that tour. I love Neoblivious Cars. Yeah, that'll be and a cool tour. to see you guys yeah. together would be unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm I would, jealous of all I would of very much like to do that tour in the US, actually. I think that would go down very well here. That would, that would be cool. So, yeah, we'll to, see. To kind of touch on them a little bit, we've <laughs> talked about, um, you know, fans bringing you sustenance and alcohol and stuff like that they recently did the the patreon thing where they have like a subscription service for their fans oh. with stuff like this happening with venues where you guys don't have a place to stay or food like that have you considered any sort of model like that because a legion who's a death metal band from colorado has adopted it what, what, uh, what type of model is that it's it's so they have different level it's kind of like do you know are you from with kickstarter yeah, yeah. Consider like crowdfunding. It, yes, thing. it's it's but it's a monthly subscription thing. So every yeah. if you give them ten dollars a month, mm. you get access to certain demos or like video feeds, lessons, that sort of thing. At twenty five, you get like a T shirt, and you can help them like decide covers they're going to do. And they go up to like crazy levels where mm. like next time they tour, you can just like hang out with Dan from the band, and he'll teach you how to play drums. Yeah. Oh, and I know of other bands doing it as well, but like I, I'm part of the Patreon for Naval Viscaris and it seems like yeah. a model that more bands are going to go towards and could you see yourself doing something along Abs those lines? Absolutely, yeah. I, I've been... It's uh, kind of brilliant. Yeah, I've been wanting to look into the whole crowd crowdfunding thing uh, more but it's it's also something that has become so overused now so I don't know if, if it's still possible to generate uh, that much income with that but th there are a lot of stories where that, that really was incredibly successful and, and I know that for them it has been such a case as well so I'm definitely going to talk to them about that um, when we meet them talk to Tim them. yeah Tim's the mastermind behind all that yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah. yeah yeah it's definitely I mean bands have to find new ways to to make income these days you know and uh, especially if, if touring becomes more expensive and more difficult because of rising gas prices because of uh, just this overabundance of shows where it becomes really difficult to draw a decent crowd in a lot of places. You know, in Berlin we see the same thing, like attendance at shows is, is much lower than a couple of years ago just because there's too much happening, you know, and and um, there's no income really from record sales anymore, so all, all income is from touring and from, from playing live and mm -hmm. uh, things are changing very quickly and of course we will always uh, be keen to try out new new ways of making this work because we love doing this and we want to be able to continue doing this and 
um, as I said before, I really enjoy interacting with fans and people that appreciate our music. Um, so that sounds like a sounds like a very interesting perspective, actually. Yeah, I mean, I they I'm not gonna lie, they got a lot some backlash for it because yeah. it kind of feels handouty, I guess, to some people. But yeah. you know, if it's what gets because then they funded a tour like two months later and came back and did a headline tour yeah. and I saw them play a headline set I never thought I'd see that yeah. but you know it, it has its perks so. how was that? what their headline set? yeah unbelievable yeah like I've been a fan of theirs was that here in Sacramento? they something? played San Francisco actually yeah so they played DNA Lounge down from Slim's where I, I think I saw you guys when mm -hmm. the Townsend yeah years ago it's literally down the street so they played there with Black Crown Initiates Starkill and mm -hmm. somebody else Cormorant, I think, is a local. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a really good set, and I saw you guys are going out with the cello, so you're able to bond yep. over some strings on that tour. Exactly. Because yeah. Sam's got his violin. Yeah, yeah. That should be cool too. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the reasons why we really wanted to bring Dalai over for that tour as well. Also because we've done Australia already with Pelagio in 2015, so we were not planning to go over there again. But that tour was very successful for us. That was really really good. And then this offer came in and. It kind of, I think it's an interesting musical match. And then um, we rehearsed already this different set list for the tour we did with Mono and Solstafir in Europe last year with uh, Dalai, our cello player. So we were like, yeah, let's just do that set and that tour in Australia. Nice. And um, yeah, so I think it'll be a great tour. How much control do we have over what we wish for? That was the wish and dreams from the Ocean's Pelagial. We'll continue that conversation shortly. For now, here is Dan Preslin of Australia's Ne Obliviscaris discussing his first band. First band was called Ne Obliviscaris. <laughs> Sounds like progressive metal. <laughs> Could you go in a little more detail? <laughs> All right. Yeah. This is your first band? Yes. Very cool. Mm. Neable Viscaras are currently working on their third full-length album and, oddly enough, are about to go on an Australian tour with the ocean. For dates, head to facebook.com slash band. Before diving back in with Robin from the ocean, here's some of the origin of species from their album Heliocentric.
So you're admittedly sick of the most recent record. I'm assuming you guys are going <laughs> yes, working on the next one. Positively, yeah. It's time I've, for something new. I've heard sure. The Quiet Observer. It's a fantastic song. That's Thanks. a song. So what's, do you guys have a record chambered or working on anything of that sort? Yeah, um, that song was actually written together with a bunch of other tracks. Um, like, it's already been two years ago now, I think. Yeah. Uh, Blue Cell, yeah. 2014, I wrote The Quiet Observer, and uh, there is like s seven more tracks from that session, basically, that have not been properly recorded yet, but there is, uh, they're written, there's pre-productions of it. And um, I know I, I keep postponing this, but after this Australian tour in December, we're really going to work on this new record. It's mainly written, I'd say to about 80% it's written. Um, and we're planning to record in like early spring for like a fall 2017 release. Lovely. Now, one year ago, I said the exact same thing <laughs> about 2016. So um, there is no no promises. If we if we get a another tour offer that we really feel like it's it's good to do it, then we may consider it. But we're at the point now where we've really played everywhere with this record. We've we've toured Australia twice. Then we've toured the U.S. twice. We've toured South America, we've toured China and Russia twice, and Europe three times on Pelagil. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I really feel like it's it's time for something new. And, and I want to get, like, I'm, I'm also, we've been touring so much with it um, that I really want to get into the, the studio life again. Like, I'm I'm ready for this now, you know? That's one of the cool things about playing in a, in a touring band is that you have these two very different realms, like the, the recording realm, which is very nerdy. You're sitting on a chair, looking at your screen all day. You're recording, you're not moving much. Uh, you're very uh, static in one place, basically. And then the, the touring life, the, the rock and roll life, you know. And and I, I love both sides, really. And usually by that time, when you really get sick of one of the two realms, then it's time to go back into the other and that's what I really like about it now I'm I'm tired of touring really after this tour I'm like yeah I really want to sit in my fucking chair in the <laughs> studio and like w w nerd my way through new tunes you know like you so said <laughs> you said the same thing before I mean you'll probably have a quicker turnaround than a band like like Necrophagus or Tool, Tool who've been people waiting for like little decades so don't worry about if when it feels right it feels right you know it, it, it's like that and it's it's also good to really tour as much out of an album as, as possible, you know, and Pelagio has definitely helped us get to the next level for the band, and um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to, like, lay that album to rest before I've really taken it everywhere where I can possibly take it, and now I feel like we've really done that, so mission accomplished, and now it's time for something new. Without spoiling anything, thematically, where do you go from here? Because as a band called The Ocean, you've now descended to the depths of the ocean. Yes, we have, <laughs> and uh, we're definitely not gonna go into the to the towards the stars or the universe now. You know, I honestly which, thought which, that's which, what you're gonna say, which, which would make sense. But um, Fuck it. to be quite honest, um, I don't really know yet, and I don't want to approach this this record, this next record, the same way that I approached Pelagil. Um For Pelagil, the whole conceptual idea was there before I started writing the record, and that was the first time that I wrote an album like this and it was a, a great experience but also very limiting somehow. Um, I wanted to make this record that's this journey from the surface to the depths of, this, of the ocean and, and that is a very strong kind of like narrow scheme for your music to, uh, to, to, to abide by somehow. And um, 
that was a great challenge and I, and I loved it, but I, I don't want to do that again now. I think this next record we're going to approach a lot more freely. It's going to be more or less um, isolated songs that we're going to put in a good order and uh, eventually connect. And thematically, I'm going to uh, not start thinking about it until I really have the musical part of the album 100% together. I have a feeling that it may really be a collection of songs rather than another concept album because that's what everyone is expecting us now to do, you know, to take the next big step towards the universe and I, that's why I kind of don't want to do it. I just want to write a good rock and roll record with good songs and uh, there's always going to be a, a red thread going through the lyrics of an album that's always been like that from Precambrian on basically mm -hmm. um, for us. Um, so it's it's likely gonna happen like this again, but I, I don't want to make this another super conceptual, super super uh, brainy record somehow. I just want to I just want write, to write good music and, and see where it takes us and approach it a bit more emotionally than uh, the uh, yeah the, the the highly conceptualized thing that was Pelagio. I asked some friends who were fans of yours for some questions, so this is one of theirs. It's kind of silly, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Your guitar, it doesn't seem to have pedals or anything. Is your guitar magic? It's Is it a MIDI? <laughs> How does your guitar work? <laughs> it doesn't look plugged in. It looks like it's just yeah, fucking there, just there's sorcery. Definitely, there's definitely some magic in that Love guitar. It. Yeah. I, I also don't really touch it. If you really watch my fingers, you will, see, you will see that they, they move around the fretboard, but they don't really touch the fretboard. So just there's this magnetic field between my fingers and the fretboard. So are you a robot? Okay, sorry, off the record. <laughs> so yeah, there is a lot of magic in that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a built-in wireless. That's why I'm not plugging it in, and all the effects and all the pedals are in my rack, and they are being switched by our sequencer via MIDI. So um, we play entirely to a click track or a logic session, basically, which uh, outputs the backing tracks to uh, the FOH, and at the same time the click track to the drummer, and it also controls our lighting, which unfortunately we, we don't really have on this tour, except for one strobe <laughs> that I managed to bring over. Um, and the videos and everything is synced and controlled by the by our MacBook basically. So we start the show, press play, and then Paul is the one. We all follow Paul. Paul is the only one who has a click, our drummer. Mm -hmm. And we all basically play along to the whole sequenced set. So all my guitar effects and amp channels are being switched by that. The lighting is being controlled by that. The videos are being uh, triggered by that that we also don't have here. And yeah, so the the heart of the band is our is our robot soul, our MacBook. <laughs> As you heard, the Ocean is about to retreat into the studio and begin work on their next full-length album. 
They're also about to hit the road with Ney Oblaviscars. For dates and more things ocean, head to theoceancollective.com and facebook.com slash theoceancollective. Listeners know by now I like to end each episode with a recommendation for myself or one of my musical friends. In this episode, I had the privilege of bringing you a track from the band Astronoid. This five-piece band from Boston combines black metal blasting, dream pop, atmosphere, and some of the strongest melodies I've ever heard. Here's the song Up and Atom from their album Air in its entirety.
You can get air by paying what you want on Astronoid's Bandcamp, astronoid.bandcamp.com now. You can also get CDs and vinyl from Blood Music. For more Astronoid, head to facebook.com slash astronoidband. That'll do it for episode 11 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. As always, you can hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal. You can email me at farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com or on Twitter at Ovacord. The theme is Far Beyond Metal from Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.